0: Welcome, welcome to episode two of BC Banter on the Heights, hosted by myself, Brett Ryder, and Pete Collins. Uh, Today, we're going to go over the Virginia Tech game last week, get into some numbers, as well as some uh, post-game quotables. I know a lot of people are interested in what Coach Halfley and some of the guys had to say Um, in regards to the offensive line, the offensive line woes. the portal, things of that nature. Uh, We'll also get into the matchup coming up this week against Maine. Um, We'll go through a little bit of uh, what to expect, who to watch. And at the end of the podcast, we will have our first winner for the Tuesday giveaway. Um, And with that said, we'll guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Pete, how are you feeling after after the game last week? I almost said win.
1: I wish it was a win. (laughs) um i think i'm feeling like the rest of bc nation uh pretty upset pretty uh you know doubtful about the future um kind of sitting here questioning you know both the players and the coach um you know for two different reasons and i suppose we could start with with the uh with the coaching here and i feel like you know you got to start focusing on the offense The offense is clearly the problem and the o-line is uh you know even more of the problem yeah. I think that that's kind of encapsulates how
0: everybody feels. I don't think that there's any way around it. I got some numbers here that I wanted to read off to you. Please. They're, they're, they're like, when I wrote them down, it was like, like I had, I had to double check myself. Like when I, when I got the information I had, to, I, you know, I was looking at one source and then I had to like almost like fact check myself because the numbers are so appalling that I was like, there's just no way, um, but let's see here. So 16 and a half rush yards per game, a 0.61 average um, with, without sacks. Cause obviously in college football sacks count uh, against the rush yards, as opposed to the pass yards of the pros, they have 89, um, 89 yards on the season in total with three yards a carry, but the big thing to me, and and I'm kind of interested to kind of get your reaction on it. Is this the 0.61 rush yards a carry?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're running right into their own offensive lines ass every single time and they're just, you know, getting nowhere. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the difference of the way that the stats are recorded, which is obviously significant. fills a huge drag on the rush per yards. Number sure. with the amount of sacks that he's taking, and it's obviously not his fault that it, that you know he's getting sacked. You know, ninety percent of the time, not his fault that he's getting sacked. The O line is just a saloon door letting the defensive line right in his face. He's forced to scramble, roll out. You know, getting sacked a ton is obviously bringing the yards for carry down. But you can see how that lack of rush yards is setting them up terribly. You know, to to move, you know, beyond third down without it being third and long and then force the pass, and you know, the defense can just sit back and kind of you know, take advantage of that. But, you know, when we were talking about the coaching, one of the things I was thinking, you know, with the O-line, like you kind of have to help them, you know, like we're talking about the O-line and, and that's talking about the players, but I'm thinking about it from a coaching standpoint. Like you have these five new linemen, you know, that obviously aren't performing well. they can't get in. We can't provide protection for the quarterback. They can't allow any rush yards. You know, what, what can they do to, to help them out? You know, bring a tight end, in, bring a running back next to Phil to pick up the lineman that comes flying through that the offensive line you know i just don't see them doing those types of things at one point i saw them running screens and quick plays and i was like okay here we go you know when they did that end around to Zay, and then immediately following that they threw a little dump down screen to Zay and got a couple of you know they, they got a first down They got some good yards and you're like okay that's what we need no time you know phil gets the ball throws the ball they need to do they need to do more of that the offensive coaches need to help out you know uh, the glaring weakness, which is the offensive line.
0: So, would you say, especially? I know that one of the things that you were kind of noting on was the uh, the the play call, like the play calls, and specifically like the poor play calls. Do you do you think that like a lot of the the struggles of you know the offensive line being being so inexperienced, young, um, you know, which is really not only negating. The rushing attack but would you say that a lot of this falls more on McNulty
1: well you know back to the Parcells example of last episode you can only do with what you know you can only cook with the groceries you're given right and they mm-hmm. went through you know multiple injuries they have five mm-hmm. new starters two of mm-hmm. them are defensive linemen flipped over to the offensive side and <laughs> one's a walk-on I mean who you know Skarnekia comes down there and starts coaching them. Are they gonna block all magically all of a sudden? You know, they don't have the players on the O line. So I mean, I think that's where where my I'm more critical of the coaching isn't about specifically the offensive lineman. I like they need to work together over a series of time, period of time in order to be cohesive with each other. But right now they need tight ends in there, they need running backs in there. And that's where I'm more critical of the coaching is the lack of supplemental help for the O-line. The O-line needs more bodies that needs to, you need to pack it in a little bit more. Whereas I feel like they're sending, you know, they're using the five O-linemen for blocking when they really need a running back and the tight end in there to help out more often.
0: I think that one of the, one of the things that I had written down to. Um, so there's this kid. So not again, so Kevin Klein with a C was the one who, who got hurt right. uh, in the Virginia tech game. There's a tackle, a recruit from a couple of years ago. His name is Kevin Pine. He's actually a Milford kid. Shout out Milford. Mm. Where, and I, and, I, and I wrote this down. Where is Kevin Pine? Where is this kid? Like, is did he just not, because he was like a four-star recruit. He was one of the more decorated recruits that came in. I want to say 2020, correct me if I'm wrong, but where is this kid? Um, it's a big issue, especially when you're looking at, you know, one of your linemen goes down and the next man up is a, is a walk-on like that's very concerning for an for an already thin offensive line going into it. You have five new starters and only one of them had any sort of game experience and one goes down and all of a sudden you're resorting to a walk-on. That's very concerning, and it's uh, and so my what my point is is not only do they not have any sort of it's they, they don't have the depth, but what they're also it seems to be lacking in is actually developing these kids if that makes sense too
1: right no I, I hear you when you're talking about developing freshmen and developing young kids and kind of throwing them out there against two viable opponents right off the bat. I mean, Rutgers viable opponent, uh, you know, maybe yes, no, absolutely. I mean, they beat us right at the end of the day. So, I mean, Virginia tech definitely viable opponent, you know, we kind of go back and forth with them. So, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see how they play, you know, moving forward when you're talking about like developing them, like developing them, I think takes time. And, you know, I kind of want, I see them and I, and I think they stink. And I think a lot of the, you know, the coaches and the players are kind of making nicer comments, you know, they're like, you know, it takes time to work with them. I want to see how they advance over the course of the season. I think last week we were critical of coach for saying, you know, week eight or week nine, you know, I want to see how the the offensive line looks then. And, you know, with some time that comment sounds a little better, you know, like, okay, you got five people who've never played before. They're all freshmen, you know, and maybe it takes them two months to kind of get cohesive and stuff. And, and as time goes on, maybe they just improve slowly over time. Who knows, you know, if we're still talking about the offensive line in three or four weeks, though I'm heavily concerned about this team.
0: Heavily. And that's, and that's probably the biggest thing, um, is the ultimate idea. Kind of like you said, is that they don't have any sort of progression and like, you do not see you, you, It'd be one it'd be one thing if it if it was just like a lack, if it was a lackluster uh rushing attack and the performance was just, you know, severely hampering this team, but it has crippled them to the point where they're dead last. Let's see right here. I, I know I know I wrote this down too because it was like, oh my God. But they're dead last they're they're well for their, I mean. It's easy, it's easy to see this. They, they're dead last in the ACC in rushing. They have 16,
1: 16 and a half rush yards a game, Mike. 16 and un- a half. That's like not even two first downs, bro. It's absolutely incredible. It's not two first downs, and they don't have a rushing touchdown either. They're just not a threat. 0. 0.6 a carry. They barely get They don't get a yard carry that's not setting up the play action that's not setting up the pass offense and 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 honestly it's a momentum killer
0: they're running a lot of shotgun formation now um, as opposed to under center and I think that a back like him doesn't benefit from shotgun just because he's a big he's a big fast and he's he's kind of like a more of your throwback like bully type runner where he's just going to run through you as opposed to run around you And when you have someone who's lining up in the shotgun, they don't really get that, you know, initial momentum as if he was under center and he Mm -hmm. was taking the ball and running with it. I think that, you know, to kind of go back to the original, the original point that you were making in regards to the play calling, I think that the formations and the philosophy on offense and the schemes that they're using, not only does it not line up with the running back personnel but it's really setting them up for failure
1: well and if you're gonna run from the shotgun you think you're running some quick screen spreading the defense out or you know running some quick slant plays but I don't even see them doing that it's almost like they get the ball and they have Phil running uh you know a a delayed fake handoff then look up and throw it for two yards down the field guy gets immediately tackled and it's a two-yard play and you're like what is this? What that couldn't that couldn't have been more than what it was. It couldn't have broke out for a big play. And I think they need to kind of scheme up a little bit more, um, you know, to, to bring it into the game. You know, right in they start the game off stack interception, momentum sucked out of out of the room. I mean, I like the shot downfield. If we're just going to talk about like the 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 chance that they had there on that interception, it's just Phil terribly underthrown ball on on that and picked off. So you're kind of like, you know, they, they take a chance. They, they let Phil throw it and he throws the first one picked off momentum gone defense isn't, you know, defense has to defend the red zone on the third play of the game. And, you know, they had their helmets on the bench. It was second down. They're watching their offense, take the first drive of the game. Oh, we got to go play now, you know, now we have to go defend a short field. So, I mean, I just question, you know, the players and the personnel, I mean, the sorry, the personnel and the coaches. The you know, I think both have equal to blame. Phil, you you know, can't underthrow that ball. Personnel, you gotta, you know, do some. More trick plays or, or or switch it up a little bit more. Provide a little bit more protection in the form of bringing maybe a fullback or a big running back in there to pick up the 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 lineman that sneaks through first. Um, screen plays, quick slants. You know, I think there's lots of blame to be dished around, and I'm kind of excited to spend the next whatever 45 minutes or so dishing some blame out. Um, so let's let's get into that. You know.
0: Yeah, me too. And I think there's there's plenty uh,
1: to go around. Yeah. And I mean, we can start with Phil, right? Because he started the game off, you know, with the momentum killing, underthrown interception. And, you know, you look back on that play and and he had the receiver with the defender there. He could have thrown the ball. You know, I always like a, a throw where it's one on one, where the ball can only be caught by the receiver. Or you know, it was overthrown to the point where it gave the receiver the chance to throw the, to catch the ball, but it never gave the defender the chance to touch the ball or pick it off. That was a ball where his receiver would have had a turnaround fight, beat the defender just to get a hand on it to defend it. You know, the, it was almost an easy interception when you look back on it.
0: And what's funny is the the touchdown. It was it was Jaden it was Jaden Williams who was targeted on that, and it was virtually the same exact play, just flipped around on his touchdown catch. The thing, the thing with that, throw, It's like the cornerback pressed him out of bounds. Dude fought back, came back in, and I, I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken, there was two receipt. There's two cornerbacks right there, so I fell through it into double coverage. After Jaden Williams got bullied out of bounds, and it was just a complete force. Like it, it, I, I get trying to be aggressive off the bat. But you, it's not like you can blame like Happy Feet or, you know, the pressure had gotten to his head because it was the first freaking play of the game. It was just, it was a, it was a bad throw. And it, it, was, it was more so just like a bad omen of things to come. Like, based off that, the vibes were kind of like, oh boy, this yeah, is a right, long game.
1: Right after it, you're like, oh man, you know, like there's no way they don't score a touchdown and they're not down seven nothing. You're almost like, count it, put it on the board. And, you know, if Phil overthrows that receiver by five yards, the the defense goes, okay, we have to look out for that. They're throwing the ball downfield. But now they're like, even if they throw it downfield, we have the confidence we can pick it off. It's just a total momentum killer. And especially where it happened on the field and allowing, like I think, 30 plus yards and interception, you know, after the interception, they ran it back about 30 yards. So they've I think they were on like the 17-yard line or something that they were in the red zone for sure. So it really gave the defense a short field to defend and was a momentum killer.
0: Well, what's funny is too, is my kind of like next, my next like, not blame, um, but my next thing that I really kind of noticed was on the third, the, on defense, uh, right after that, third down in the red zone, when, you know, BC made the stop and Jaden Williams went offside or excuse me, Jaden Woodbay, um, friend of the show, great guy. And one thing I really appreciated, you know, when he said after he completely owned it, you know, talking about leadership and saying, I, you know, I
1: need to be better in terms
0: of being a leader. Like that's a question for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Was he the guy pointing with his hand? Is that how he got off sides? Did he jump? I kind of like missed the play a little bit when I was watching
0: mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of those like real ticky tacky close calls. Right. Where you're just like, you wouldn't have noticed it. Otherwise.
1: Cause I saw someone on the defense pointing like the offensive line jumped. And yeah. I almost thought that like the defense might have reacted, thinking the offensive jump like, "Hey, we need to react, or else you know, it, the the yeah. the ref won't notice it." And it almost looked like they screwed themselves over by doing that. It almost was like one of those ones you're like, "Ah, oh, like almost." It's not bad luck. It's not like bad coaching. It's not like a bad play. I, it's kind of like one of those ones you're like, "That that really was bad timing." Is really what it was, as far yeah. as like the totally. bad goes, you know. Because totally. like you said, third down, you know, maybe early that early in the game they don't go for it on fourth and one. I know they. You know they ended up going for it on fourth and one, you know in that game. so like it was on their you know it was an option for their coaching staff to call it, but maybe they kicked the field goal if that if that penalty isn't called it. and you have a little bit different of a momentum killer instead of being immediately down seven nothing when you had the ball to start the game so knowing half they have the ball to start the game. so it's kind of you know you're you're down more than more than you normally would be oh seven to start right. The game.
0: right and it was like two two real bad mental mistakes it's one thing you know it's you know obviously comparing apples and oranges but you know if you go three and out and they and that happens but it's like you throw the pick and then you have like a real crucial penalty against you Mm -hmm. that's a real bad way and like the the tactical errors of this team you know on top of the fact that they have no ability to rush the ball and they really have like zero identity on offense as it is so to have like those mental mistakes is just
1: killer well it killed them too because they didn't get a first down until the second quarter yeah i don't think they got a yard until the second quarter because they were negative at one point after the sack and then the interception it it just looked like to your identity point like they were just out there like let's try passing let's try running let's try this let's try that and they didn't they literally didn't get anything until they threw it to Zay. Yeah. Zay's yeah. their identity if they have an identity. Yeah, unfortunately. Poor kid. But
0: um, there was one – there was, like, a I, I I tweeted it out, too, like, tongue-in-cheek, where I think they got, like, a five-yard gain. And I, I was like, oh, they just doubled their offensive output. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is – let me, I'm, 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 I'm trying to like, look for it now, just to like, just, just to like, kind of like bring, bring me back to that real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny too, because, uh, the first, the first throw of the game after when he threw that pick, I wrote quack, quack, like you threw a duck. Oh yeah. And of course. Like Virginia, Virginia comes down scores the other, the other thing too. Um, and I tweeted this as well. Some of these, like, I forgot. It's like the, uh, the the announcer he's like i don't know if on the talking about the offensive line he's like i don't know if it gets less experienced like yeah like bro we know yeah we We know know. that dave o'brien it was i can't stand him
1: i like hasselbeck but like dave o'brien i was like what what are you doing over here guy i thought you were the red Sox guy Yeah. yeah
0: First he's stealing Don Arcello's job and now he wants to like, like I can't get this guy off my TV. Like go away. You know? That's what
1: I mean. As soon as I saw him, I just think like how he robbed Don Arcello of Yeah. It you know, just it, robbed it, it, us of Don Marcelo, really. Don Marcelo's doing fine. It bothers me. It does.
0: But you I digress.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I um what's his name tim hasselback reminds me of like he sounds like tony mass he's like the college football tony mass and i think that's not goofy tweets i throw out yeah so like, high-pitched voice it's it's not near now no disrespect to him because it's not nearly as wild as uh mass yeah it's just it's, a like, it's just you know it's it's just so, it's it's on that level
1: one point, and I was waiting to bring this up later, but since we're talking about Hasselbeck and how funny his voice is, at one point in the fourth quarter, you know, the offensive line is just getting trashed at this point. It's the fourth quarter, and, and they don't have anything else to say. So they, at one point, he goes, The right tackle is on ice skates right now. <laughs> <After> that, <laughs> I, just started, I wrote it down. I was like, That's too funny. Hasselbeck just like taking a dump on us, kind of. And, and it was embarrassing. It, re- it really was.
0: He, he, he's got to be do you think he's watching this and he's like mortified about it like do you think he was watching it on saturday
1: and he's just like you know yeah because at one point i was waiting for his like fandom to come out a little bit yeah and it, and it never did it kind of he got it like i felt like maybe he was embarrassed about it a little bit to the point yeah. where he didn't really want to remind the audience too much about the situation he's like i just keep it a hush-hush and just try i mean also he's trying to stay non-biased too so like i'm, right. I'm sure it's a it's a good reason you know but yeah I thought Hasselbeck and, and O'Brien were an interesting pair both like that Red Sox announcer and, and, and an alumni you know
0: I'm like oh my god all they needed was Mark like as like a second color guy but yeah as like
1: as on me. the field or something like that <laughs> like oh my
0: lord but yeah that was if if the game itself wasn't bad enough to watch I have to listen to them I was like, and it's not like they're bad or anything. And I, no. I actually, I actually liked
1: Tim Hasselbeck, but Dave O'Brien just irks me. No, I liked Hasselbeck. Please don't take it, take my comment wrong. I thought that was funny. Like I appreciated no, no. that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah.
0: Man, I had to like roll mine back because I. It's like I, I'm not trashing on Tim Hasselbeck at all. Right. I, I like Tim Hasselbeck. I like him as a commentator too. Um, just you know, BC banter. Not, not a Dave O'Brien, not a Dave.
1: <laughs> no, we're out on Dave no, O'Brien. <laughs> no, no, not a fan. You know what? Also, I'm out on. I'm out on third and long, dude. I'm hard enough to convert on third, due to the pressure and the realization that if you don't get it here, it's fourth down and you basically failed as an offense. Yeah. But third and long, it's just. I mean, we were two for fifteen on third down. Yeah, and, and a lot of that. Is because it was third and long and not third and one, you know, third and one. If you're two for 15, you're like, man, you really couldn't get the run game going, could you? But two for 15, I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, it was third and 12, third and 16, third and 22 half the time. So, you know, what do you expect at that point? You just you can't get there. And, you know, coach even talked about it. I think he had a a quote where it's like, you know, something about we can't get, we can't, if we can't run the ball one or two yards and keep getting a couple of yards on first and second down and making it third and five, third and six, third and four, if we can't get to those situations, we're not going to be successful. And I mean, I like that. He's, able to be critical in that way of his own team but you know there's some other things that 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 he says that make you roll your eyes or or question and and i know we're going to get to that later i don't mean to skip ahead but you know i i did like that quote where he was critical of of the the first and second down play call because that's exactly where i think the team needs to kind of focus is getting yards on first down
0: well it's funny you say that and and we can we can we can put that put that part on ice but um because that the context of that quote is in regards to when they play Maine this weekend and it it I was kind of not appalled at the quote but it like kind of made me sad almost to where like he's talking about going against Maine and getting into more desired third down yard situations it's like we should be talking about Maine as the opportunity for the second third and fourth stringers to play not whether our offensive line can, in our offensive unit as a whole can produce on first and second down so that was like alarming to me and just made me like sad where i'm like wow like we're not using this we're not this isn't like a like a like a scrimmage this is like where we have like stuff to work on in this game
1: but think about it like let's just role play for a scenario I'm coach and I sit in here and they go, you know, what do you hope to work on or what do you, how do you hope to move forward? And he goes, you know, it's going to be a nice tune up game against Maine. It will be a nice chance to get our second, you know, line. And you're sitting there going, coach, you haven't won anything. You have nothing positive to talk about. Shut up about your backups. Talk about getting the shorter on third down. So like at at some point I'm kind of like, yeah, it's sad in reflection, but it's also what, is supposed to be said and i and i think the appropriate comment out of the coach oh in that no situation. it's, totally, it's yeah. totally
0: appropriate and it's 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 a it's a total um logical response and it completely makes sense what i'm saying is that it's just sad that like that's what we're that's what we're talking yeah. about you that's know, where we're, we're at yeah like it just it, it a lot of this like blows my mind that we're still talking about this or, or in depth like it 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 it's at the point where like this is what we're discussing.
1: Yeah, um, I thought we would be talking about the win or one of the two wins, and uh, you know if you know honestly, you know maybe one and one. It would have been really nice to be two and zero, oh, but in no way that I assume that would be zero oh and two. Talking about, I hope we can get some positives to see in week three against the main mm-hmm. bears. Well, you know, like <laughs> especially
0: that uh, <laughs> Virginia Tech team is very beatable. And yeah, they looked. They looked head and shoulders better than BC.
1: So, I mean, I thought they made really good coaching adjustments from their week one, you know, loss to their week two. Win. Yeah. They threw four picks week one. And so you're sitting there thinking and even one of, I think my predictions was, you know, our secondary needs to be able to step up against the quarterback that threw four interceptions. But if you look yeah. at that game, you know, their quarterback actually, you know, he played pretty good. He, he, you know, they ran the ball well, which set them up for, you know, good passing situations. And he made accurate passing, you know, accurate passes. He also, you know, I thought he had a freaking rocket, dude. I thought he threw the ball with some steam on it, which was, you know, I know he didn't get a ton of yards and, and you know, blow the doors off us or anything, but I thought that, you know, he managed that game really well to the point where, you know, he kind of, kind of picked us apart at different points and and was a different quarterback than the than he performed for Virginia Tech week one you know I think they just got a different version of him and if we saw them week one we might have had a better chance at beating them but we got their good version you know yeah
0: absolutely and uh so that so kind of what I want to what I'm really interested in 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 hearing in hearing your answers to and and I'll give mine too as well so in terms of like positives from the game as an overall, as on an overall basis, like what, what, what are your takeaways from that in a, in a positive light?
1: All right. So Zay Flowers is a positive dude. I mean, there's no way you can't name Zay Flowers first when you're talking about positives for BC. As soon as you got the ball, they started clicking. I mean, he had an amazing game one, 10 catches, 117 yards, two TDs. I mean, he just lit it up, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Even week two, that, you know, that was a loss. They struggled to score four catches, 79 yards, didn't find the end zone. uh, You know, but they kind of struggled in that game with any sort of pass protection to come up with four for 79, I thought was decent. Um, And I saw they put him back there to return puns at points too. So trying to get, you know, the Zay Flowers magic kind of involved in the game. So I'm definitely excited to, to yeah, I'm definitely excited to see them incorporate Zay Flowers in more creative ways and how they're gonna protect against the defense just doubling them up or you know, punch, you know, punch them in the face at the line and then throwing someone over the top and just shutting down Zay and making BC do something else. I'm interested to see, you know, both sides of the coin there.
0: Yeah, that that that, that was one of that was one of mine. Um I feel like you put it pretty perfectly. Um the other I have. So the other the other kid that just continues to do something is Jaden Williams, who, you know, I mean, he had three catches, 37 yards and a touchdown. I thought that touchdown was was an, it was an impressive score given given, you know, the the lack, the lack of a of a fluid offense. I think the fact that he continues to make plays as a sophomore, it's very encouraging to me um he's not the explosive zay flowers that you know we're all accustomed to but i i will i will say um credit where credit's due i mean the kid makes plays every time he goes out there he he makes a couple plays a game and that's what you're looking for and you know you go down the list you, you look at like a Jalen gill two catches 11 yards like jaylen gill's another one who's been very disappointing this year um there really hasn't been like that that secondary that secondary you know receiver other than jaden williams who continues to like do his thing so i would say like a small small positive you know if you want to call it a positive you can spin it into a positive that 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 would be that would be like my you know you said you said zay flowers you said it perfectly that would be mine as well so i'll go jaden williams um just just to kind of to, just to kind of throw that out there as well
1: 100 percent. and uh i think you also have to consider and i know you butchered it last week and i so saw i'll butcher it this week you know the caucus um i think that do you have the it's right a, pronunciation it's uh takas takas okay george ta-cus. all right yeah i can handle that okay so takas i think is a highlight too. um someone to pay attention moving forward as far as you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's three options right there. So we're not talking lack of options, and and Garwo is, is a great running back when given a, an offensive line. So I say great. You know, good, serviceable, really good. Um, you so, know, you know what? You can pick whichever word or description you want, but definitely serviceable. So you know, I think that you have the weapons, and you just really need to just give, fill some time and give that offense some time to, to you know, mesh and and actually time as in time in the pocket too, to be able to make some plays down the field um you know when you're talking about positives those are the offensive positives but I think there's some positives to be looked at on the defense as well
0: Um, Mm -hmm. I'm glad okay sorry sorry go (laughs) yeah
1: you got excited there but all right so with that in mind like I have my idea of what I think is positive on the defense I want you you go first what where are you looking at on the defense as particularly you know an area to highlight or an area that you think's doing well Okay,
0: it's funny because um, you say uh, I, I I forgot there for a second that we kind of set this up where like we both have positives to take out and we're like unveiling them to one another like we don't yeah. know you know we kept it as like kind of like this like secret just to like see little game but I got excited because I'm like oh I'm like we're on the same page 100%. yes so if I'm if if so me like I'm I'm taking out one one specific. Uh, positive, and then I'll I'll give you like a little bit of a rundown as as to overall why I think the defense is a positive. Okay. But the first the person who really stuck out to me is Cam Arnold.
1: Hundred percent, I have him highlighted too. I'm glad he said that. Twelve tackles, Pretty high. That's
0: not nothing. Um, I I just really felt like he was just he's just he was just really solid. Float float flew all over flew all over the field. He was making tackles. And and for a, for a defense that had a lot of notable missed tackles, he was pretty shorthanded. So I really kind of, he stuck out to me. Another thing that, that stuck out to me as a unit is the defensive line. Now coming into the air um, and going back into last year, the defensive line was not only very thin, but they were definitely a weak point. They had 13 pressures in this game. Um, the fact that they're able to not only get pressures in the backfield but they're actually able to create a little chaos and Virginia Tech they're rushing it they had 3.2 rush yards a carry um, and that's including the 64-yard touchdown so they really had in my opinion, a very, a very good game, uh, in the run defense. And that's something that they severely lacked last year. Like I know they had one of the better, one of the better pass defenses in the country last year and the, the rush D was something that let them down. But I thought that they really, as a unit played very well. The linebackers are looking very fast. The linebackers are playing aggressive. So you can always like very much appreciate that. And it's oh. and in a game like that. It's very noticeable, I think.
1: You take out the 65-yard touchdown by Keyshawn King, and it's funny that Keyshawn King busted out a 65-yard touchdown because who did we highlight last week but Keyshawn King. So uh, shout out to us for not calling it, but kind of like saying that he was going to have a big game. So just kind of want to highlight that real quick. little pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, you know what? To, to talk about the pat the BC defensive unit on the back, take out that 65-yard TD run by Keyshawn King. They average 1.8 yards carry. I mean – that's stuffing the run. And what what were we critical of them week one against Rutgers is that final drive, five mm-hmm. yards up the middle, five yards up the middle, six yards up. And I mean, we were laughing at the at their defensive run game. So, I mean, definitely, hopefully a point of focus at practice. And you saw that come out in, in the game. Uh, 100%, I think their run defense is good. And, and on top of that, 65-yard run, 15-yard run, and the 14-yard run. So you really need to stop the big plays. That's kind of what my, like, you know, criticism, if I'm being criticism of the defense, is to stop the big plays. Um, We can't have 15-yard runs, 14-yard runs. We can't have uh, 65-yard runs happening. Um, Although, if you do look at that 65-yard run, and and Hasselbeck broke it down nicely, I mean, the guard came out, the center came whipped around, the right tackle, you know, went out and hit the, you know, contained the edge. It was, you know – Garwell would have had a 65 yard touchdown if our offensive line was blocking like that too. So, uh, you know, shout out to the offensive line and, Ke- and Keyshawn King for busting it open, but it was just perfectly blocked. Sometimes you put a helmet on a helmet and the offense is going to win. And that's kind of how I saw that, that big run there. It was a beautiful run.
0: It's one of those runs where like as a fan of the
1: other team, you look at it and you're just like, Oh goddamn. damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, it. I compared it. to tipping a cap as a pitcher you know I was a pitcher you know in high school I love pitching and you know you throw a nasty pitch and the guy just rips it over the fence you're just kind of like well you know I threw a nasty pitch you hit it over the fence you know sometimes we both do good and you do better and that's kind of how I saw that play is the defense was kind of there they just got blocked and the running back just took advantage of the hole so I mean outside of that they like I said 15 yard 14 yard carry but Uh, you know still only averaging 1.8 yards with those two long carries so you got to think if you know you start playing you know ifs and buts and every day would be christmas right whatever that line is from uh super troopers but you know you take out the three big runs and they're not getting anything on the ground so you really stop the big play you stop the run yeah
0: absolutely and i have so so i have a couple questions that i want to i want to ask you because i'm very interested in kind of getting your opinion on them sure um the first but before we do that and kind of like put a bow on this atrocious week you have you have the the results from the bets and the predictions from last week correct oh yeah do you want to do you want to share those
1: yep let me just pull them up right here
0: pull up that word dog, dog
1: mhm <laughs> all right so just like kind of following up on our bets and predictions from our last week um last week we said it was going to be a defensive matchup And so we went with the under as far as uh, the over-under goes, and that was set at 46 points. Um, Obviously, that's a win for our bet with the 37-point total in that game. So um, ding, 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 ding next right. um, we predicted that Virginia Tech would win and not only would they win money line, which is you know just straight pick them, uh, we thought they would cover the two and a half point spread and as we all unfortunately know they covered that too. so uh, two for two with the picks there uh, or sorry technically three for three because we picked Virginia Tech money line and Virginia Tech to cover the spread and oh, yeah. we picked the over under so three for three. And, you know, we also predicted Keechung King would go over 111 yards and uh, score a touchdown. Um, we kind of – I don't know if you call that one a squash or, or what you call it after him getting injured after his fourth carry. But, you know, before he went out, he was four carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah. three, three times he got stuffed, and one time he broke open a huge run. So, you know, who knows what would have happened there. But obviously uh, didn't meet the projection just due to an injury. Wow. So – three, 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 three out of four,
0: give or take. So three bets. And then the prediction fell short, but ex, you know, cir- circumstances be damned.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can be overly critical of yourself. If you were to put a, a bet in with Vegas and the guy gets hurt, you kind of go, ah, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, you know, can't beat yourself up too much on that one.
0: It's funny. It's, it's funny. Cause like when I was in Vegas last year, um, uh, me and my buddy, we had, we'd gone to the Westgate hotel, uh, shout out Westgate. That's where, that's where Elvis had his residency, but we, we went there to the sports book and obviously being like a kid from Massachusetts, like doing that was like Christmas day. I'm like, Oh my, this is freaking awesome. So we go in there and he's kind of learning me up. And so I do this like crazy parlay and the parlay I did was just like a bunch of, you know, uh, I picked a bunch of teams that were going to beat a bunch of bums, right? And one of the games was the um, – it was the Ravens-Lions game. <laughs> and so as I'm at the Raiders game – shout out the Raiders, shout out Darren Waller. And it's like before the game because obviously out there, there's the they're the four fifteen window. So the 1 o'clock games are ending and the Lions are beating the Ravens. And I was like, oh, man, like I'm going to lose this parlay. And then they show up on the screen and they show up in Justin Tucker. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was like the longest kick in NFL history, bro. I like stood up and I was, I was like by myself at this point. I stood up and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Everyone's looking around me like, like, damn homie, a big ass lion or a big ass Ravens fan. Like what, what's up with this kid? You know? Um, <laughs> so that, <laughs> that, that was like, that was like the better, one of the betting highlights of my life. Um that was that was that that was good times but yeah so i mean we did we did pretty well on that which is which is really cool i and 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 one of the one of the things that i was real that i'm really kind of interested in hearing i guess your opinion on so there was i don't know if it was an article or if it was just in like um one of the like the fan forums where they were very critical of the fact that like BC fans are like trashing on the team right now. I'm like, Oh, it's a bad look for recruits. It's a bad look for the, you know, the kids from things of that nature. Um, So I'm kind of interested in hearing like what, what your opinion on that is like, should, should we as fans be allowed to be like, harshly
1: critical when the team is like this bad yes is the short answer um i would never want to suggest or promote or support like censoring Mm -hmm. or like holding back what you Mm -hmm. truly feel i think if you're just multiplying it to you know you're amplifying your reaction just for the sake of it uh you kind of annoy me um I don't agree with just like ah look at me I'm you know fire fire over here you know because we're having you know oh we're 0-2 it's like yeah we're 0-2 this is trash um, it looks bad uh, but you can hear us over here there's some positives stuck out lots of negatives it's fair to be critical um, yeah. but I don't agree with the with the perspective of um, you know fans have to tone it down so that you know people will want to come play for BC I think it's kind of a little a little far fetched how about you put a better Uh, product on the field so we have new things to say so that people want to come here like what a blame game it is you know like that's it's pretty sad when you're starting to blame twitter for recruiting
0: yeah like let's blame a bunch of burner accounts for the fact that you guys can't block a quarterback
1: yeah it's kind of silly
0: to that notion it's like would you rather have an apathetic fan base who really didn't care and was just like Well, they they played good they're gonna they're gonna go to class on Monday and they're gonna be all academic like we are BC or would you rather have a fan base that actually cares and is like upset like I'd rather have a
1: fan base that's upset. 100% and I don't think you have a choice around here.
0: Yeah, it's like they care we care.
1: Yeah, and I'd rather you go down caring and and be pissed when they're bad and be, you know, excited as hell when they're good and when they're 500 being like, you know, come on, you know, but I get it. You know, like I like that kind of struggle, the up and down and the, you know, ride or die kind of feeling with them as opposed to just like always happy or fine, like everything. That's just not the Northeast mentality. It's not Boston's mentality at all. It just sits off.
0: And it's not like – it's just – it's not like – we don't support them like win or lose obviously we're going to support them but i think being critical and when you put this much effort and time into a team you're gonna get mad when they don't come through because it's upsetting it's like disappointing i think that's the biggest thing like a lot of A lot of disappointment kind of maturates in in anger especially Mm -hmm. you know from us but from the masses in general like a lot of people express it through like anger and criticism and just overall just like hashing things out on twitter like i don't think that the fact that people are responding this way means that they don't support the team or that, you know, a recruits going to look at that and be like, Oh my God, they're bashing them. I'm not going to go there. Well, guess what? You're probably, you're, you're the reason that a kid is not going to come here. Isn't going to be because, you know, Baldwin's burner tweeted a bunch of wild stuff on Twitter during the game. Um, He's not going to come here because he watched the game and he was like, wow, that is a crap show over there and I want nothing to do with that. Why am I going to go there when I can go to, you know, X, Y, and Z school and succeed? Like, that's where it comes from. I I, I love these people like, oh, you're going to scare away the recruits. Well, if... The product you're putting out on the field is terrible and the coaching, the coaching isn't good. And, the, and, and there's starting to be questions about the, the coaching staff in general and, and the actual capacity of them actually being able to fulfill the job and develop recruits and actually put out a winning uh, team. That's going to have more of an impact on where someone's going to choose to play in college as opposed to how a fan base reacts when the team's bad my opinion, that's, that's just how I feel. Um, I was, I'm, you know, not I'm glad that you feel the same way, but it kind of like, it's reassuring simply because I saw a lot of that. I saw, I saw some stuff going around on Twitter in regards to that, where it was, you know, it was like a whole separate flame. It's like not only is the program on fire and the fan base is just like completely upset, but now it's like, you got people like fighting back and forth with each other (laughs) over whether it's right or wrong uh, on the way they're acting.
1: Well, it's also like if a recruit was to like look at twitter and be turned off you know kind of soft kind of doesn't fit like the the, the yeah. mentality of a tough football player like oh i don't want to be criticized it's like okay maybe you aren't a good fit you know and you know how much coach likes culture so you know i don't yeah. think that fits the culture if if you're that soft that you can't handle some criticism if you're playing poorly perfect segue my guy perfect
0: segue you ready for this
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So, we have talked quite a bit about the offensive line. Was you talked just now about coach? coach, coach. This is a tongue twister coaches' culture. Now, there has been a lot of scrutiny over the fact that he hadn't used the transfer portal in order to bring. Any offensive lineman, in and I thought it was really interesting um, about what he kind of had to say, and I won't I won't read the entire quote just because I, I don't feel like it's necessary. um But he has four. It's almost like there there's four stipulations to or four four pieces of criteria that he that he set forward. Uh, one can the guy get in school here? Two, does he have enough credits to transfer in and play by NCAA rules? Three, is this a character kid? That's your that's your that's your favorite part right there. Yeah. Obviously, is he good enough? All right, fair enough. That's huge. Now the other part is where he talks about you, you know, guys know what the next piece that comes into getting a good offensive lineman. How much money is he going to get paid? We could break this quote down a million different ways and kind of see it. You know, you could, you could literally break, break it down into all four parts and talk about it. My biggest takeaway from it is first of all, like, so you have, you, you're, you you have these four pieces of criteria yet you've had kids that have transferred in, in the past you had in, 2021 they had they had five they had five kids they had five kids that they transferred in and this year they had four i had a, I had a count real quick but they had four so it's not it's not like it's this like big crazy to do where they're not able to get kids in the door to me this this entire quote and correct me if I'm wrong, it just sounds like a complete, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's, it. he's, he's, it's a scapegoat. He's using this as the reason as to why he didn't bring other offensive linemen in. And my last point, and then I want to hear your opinion on this. So in 2021, um, he brought in Jaden Woodbay, IGM, Chris Banks, and so Jaden's obviously a safety. IGM was a linebacker. Chris Banks a D tackle. Alex Singfield running back, and Trey Barry. Trey Barry is a tight end. Last year, when they lost Hunter Long to the NFL draft, that was like a huge glaring hole that they had to fill. Now they won out, and they got in FCS All American, brought in Trey Barry, and I was like, this is perfect. Like. He recognized that there was a hole. He recognized that there was a need. He went out and he filled it. It's a very like professional, you know, professional NFL type of move. You need something, you go get it, right? So he fills that. In 2022, he brought in George Takas, the homie, Dino Tomlin, who's a wide receiver, who's actually the son of Coach Tomlin, uh, Regan Terry, who's a defensive end, and this is something that I don't know if people just didn't have an, you know, either. I mean, cause what other, you know, weirdo is going to like do digging like this, except for, except for us, but he brought, he did bring in an offensive lineman, this kid. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm going to butcher it. Christian Caratolo. He was an offensive lineman for Lehigh uh, Patriot league. He played eight games. He had three starts, but I'll wrap, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, i kind of end this rant with this. So you did, you did it. You, you did attempt to address it. You did bring someone in. So you're telling me that like this kid from the Patriot league with who wasn't even, he wasn't even a full-time starter in the Patriot league. He had three, he had three starts, but this was the, this was the only one that fit fit all four of those criterias like that's it out of all and and i'm pretty sure if i if i read this right there was like over 200 close to 300 offensive linemen in the transfer portal portal that was the only one and we and and so let me let me take it one step further one step further so i said earlier where is kevin pine where is kevin pine where is kevin pine where is this kid that's two offensive linemen that are just like i don't know where they are I have no I don't even know if they're on the team anymore. I don't know if they're on campus. I don't know if they're playing for like curry right now. Like I don't know. I can't answer that. I would love if anyone listening, please like tell me. Like if if you if you see them on campus, like take a picture and just send it. Like I need to, I need to know. Like, where are these kids? Where, Put them where are them on a milk they, carton? Yes. Like, I don't know. Like Christian Kuratolo, Like, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, buddy, like let me know the current the correct pronunciation and also let me know if like you are on the team because like i want to see you i want to know that you fit the you clearly if you fit these four pieces of criteria that coach Hafley put out and said that that was in order to you know make the transfer portal like useful for him like this is this is how he was like kind of going about it you had to meet these this is these are the type of kids we were going after these high character kids we have this bc culture we're bringing in these kids you fit it where are you
1: i mean so i think that when you're trying to figure out the answer to any question when it comes to like opinions or something like this there's like what they say what he says and then there's the truth somewhere in the middle right so there's the criticism and then there's what coach says and I, I got to believe that the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think that the criticism is um, valid, that there's hundreds of players in the portal and you come away with one guy who starts three out of eight games. I mean, you gotta, you've got to be kidding me. Um, on top of the fact that, you know, you need bodies. So, like, why not get two? Like, why just one? Why, you know, roll the dice on just, on just getting one, you know? Kind of to your point, like, you play the odds, get two. And they really couldn't find two that fit the criteria. It kind of makes me think that they, they could fit the criteria that they didn't think they needed to. Uh, yes. Thank you. They didn't think that- they needed two people out of the portal. So they got one. And now they're kicking themselves in the ass. And they're mm. going, how do we frame this? And they go, well, we are, you know, pretty, you know, we have some high standards. Let's, bring, let's use the high standards that are true. Nothing that we're saying is false, so we'll come across as honest because, you know, again, everything we're saying is true, so let's use that because in reality, we kind of blew it. We kind of know we blew it, but what are we supposed to do now? And I think that's kind of probably the reality, and it's boring. That reality is boring. So, like, obviously, let's, let's you know, Twitter's going to go one way, coach is going to go the other way, and, and y'all will have at it, but, you know, when you can't pay any – when you can't pay players, you know, when, when you have to use outside, you know, when the NIL, the, you know, the name, image and likeness, you know, they can advertise and do all that types of stuff. But, you know, you can't just straight up offer them a paycheck. Um, so, you know, BC's kind of limited when, when it comes to like that money scheme right there. Um, but, you know, good character, you know, offensive line, you want to be a BC offensive lineman. They get drafted. Yeah. It's prestigious to be a BC offensive line. It's actually one of those positions that you want to come in. And it's one of those schools you actually want to be an offensive lineman for. So I think when it comes down to it, you know, there was players to be had. They weren't taken. It was a mistake. And now we kind of have to suffer all of those consequences.
0: Yeah. And I think like, uh, to bring it back, it wasn't a scapegoat. It was a um, cop-out. And I'm really glad that you made, made that assessment where you said, ultimately, that they didn't think they needed to and what that tells me is that's that's a damning piece of evidence against the case because what that tells me is that you didn't assess your talent correctly either you didn't assess your talent correctly or the talent that you had at the time that you thought these guys will mature into acc or even just division 1 offensive lineman in time for the season either you didn't assess the talent properly or you didn't, you didn't grow them properly. And I that's think it's it the
1: first out. one though. A hundred percent. I'm leaning like not a hundred percent. I shouldn't have said that. You know, I'm a hundred percent leaning towards the first one where it's, you know, they didn't assess their 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 depth chart appropriately. You know, um, I think that they thought. You know, our O-line will be good enough. We, you know, they won't they won't get steamrolled, you know, and we'll develop them over time. They might have some early struggles. I don't think they thought they were going to be the 100% sole reason they could have no chance to win the first two games.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, not no chance. There was glimpses of moments where they could have come back, but they weren't ever, like, you know, I mean, I guess the first half against Rutgers, we were up and it was looking good, you know, and then you get, you kind of get pummeled and punched in the face in the second half and then completely lose the whole three, all four quarters of the Virginia Tech game. You lost six of the eight quarters that you've played. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a it's a rough start.
0: It's a very rough start. And especially because like the first half of the Rutgers game was so promising, like you said. So it wasn't as if like they felt flat back to back weeks and this, we are who we are and we're just a bad football team. It's On the contrary, they actually have the, they have the talent to be a really good football team. So that's kind of where the disconnect for me comes is where is this first half team? So obviously like, kind of like we noted last week, Shiani, Shiani, Shiano made some great adjustments, came back and beat you. But that, the first half of that game, they were awesome. So what kind of concerns me is, was the first half just the fact that Rucker it was the first game of the season, Rutgers didn't really know what was going on, and once they got attuned to it, then they showed everyone the real BC team, and then the BC team that we saw last week continue into Virginia Tech, like, is that the team, or is the first half of the Rutgers game is that their capability? Like, do they do they still have that ceiling? And that's going to be a big question going forward. Like, obviously, going against Maine, I don't think that any questions necessarily are going to be answered by this game. Whether they beat them, you know, sixty-five to nothing, or they beat them seventeen to five, or they lose. I don't think that there's any true questions unless they lose, even if they play because even if they play a close game against Maine, you're going to be like, yeah, well, this team just clearly is not that good. If they do what they should do and they blow them out, I don't think that that is going to answer any questions or give you any clarity on what this team actually is. But then you have, then you go to Florida state, for a Saturday night game followed by home Louisville and then Clemson. So now you're in the teeth of the ACC schedule. So that's where a lot of the questions are going to start to be answered and, and the feelings on this team um, in a definite way will be formed. What I'm kind of curious now is like, what like tempered expectations obviously but what can our expectations even be from here
1: are we talking the entire season or are we talking expect yeah the entire season you know I was looking at the schedule and trying to go like you know which way I would go on each game you know being after being pretty depressed after the first two weeks and and last couple of years we've been six wins six wins six wins is going to be tough to get to this year agreed i'm thinking five wins is tough to get to and in all reality we're looking at three and nine
0: yeah because when 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 you said five wins i was gonna i was i almost jumped down your throat um and i was gonna be like well where do you see these five wins yeah you rolled the back and said three and nine but because because that's where i'm at i'm looking at the schedule and it's like okay uconn but, Duke, Duke's been pretty good,
1: yeah, but that, that you you could count that if you're looking for three wins and you're trying to count three wins, you're like, all right, Maine, Yukon. And so after I think Maine and Yukon, you can kind of not lock them because you never want to start talking locks and stuff, But if you're talking yeah, predictions, sure. I'm predicting they win, you know,
0: yeah. but but then beyond that, it's just like, so you got the maine, the Yukon. and then like and 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 this is my line of thinking is so you have the duke and you have the syracuse game like Mm -hmm. that you pull one of those off and that that's your three wins but then you have florida state louisville clemson wake forest to wake forest has hartman back now then you have nc state notre dame like are any of those games winnable like i don't think so like I, i really honest to god like hand to god do not feel good about those games
1: no, how can you right now yeah, yeah. you know let's, let's, like I mean we could run through some scenarios though right they win Maine convincingly I mean they're a huge favorite say they just smash doors on Maine you're like all right I didn't I didn't learn anything necessarily but it kind of like you know didn't make me feel worse about the team which I think is really the only thing that can happen after this game is you just feel worse about the team than you did before you know so, And then let's just say they, they pull one off under the lights you know against Florida State you're like okay two and two <laughs> Okay. Maybe we come together, you know, like Louisville, you know, red bandana game, like, let's go, you know, maybe. Yeah. Like maybe the boys are buzzing and, and you, and you start, you know, you're kind of like, all right, let me propose another scenario. You eke out a win against Maine and the, you know, the, again, the offensive line is a slew and door against that, you know, against Maine and you're like, okay, you're really bummed about playing Florida State all of a sudden because you're like, if we can barely eke one out against Maine, what are we going to do against Florida State? So you eke one out against Maine and then you lose to Florida State and you're one and three. You're not really rolling high, you know, against Louisville at that point. So I feel like you know a lot can a lot can ride on on momentum and they've been kind of <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to momentum lately. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, good first half against uh, Rutgers. You know, you go into the you go into halftime, Coach Haffley makes no adjustments. Shiano makes a ton of great adjustments, and they just get punched in the face and lose the game. And you're like, ah, momentum killed going into the next week now. You go into next week, you're like, okay, I'm going to beat them in their home opener. Sack, pick, ah, right, momentum. And like, they really just can't do any favors for themselves. So maybe, you know, they do themselves a favor, and, they, and then they blow doors out, out in Maine, and you kind of have a little bit of a different outlook for the season. So, yeah, a little bit of jutes. A little bit of juice, but you know, right now I'm at three and nine, but you know, I could very easily see them getting the five wins. I do not see them getting to six wins, which is kind of depressing and unfortunate to be already mm-hmm. talking about that at week two, but it is what it is, and that's where we're at. The the
0: six wins was like their uh basement coming into the season, in my opinion. And I yeah. think that it got six wins, it was going to be a very, very disappointing season. And n- it's crazy to think that now the expectations are that they will not even get there. So that in itself is just like very concerning. The fact that you're sealing that if, if, if they went six and six, you were going to be extremely mad and the season was going to be a complete failure because of that. And now you're looking at your roadmap and that's not even a destination
1: so we were talking like a- about yeah no it's a, it's a pipe dream at this point right so we we were we're we're talking about starting the podcast like maybe like a month or so ago we're sitting on i got two recliners up in, in the space that we were sitting in and we're just kind of you know bullshitting so to speak and you know we were like All right, you know with this podcast work and like you know let's just try bantering you know a little bit ourselves I think the first question that you asked me during that little, like, can we do it moment was over under eight wins. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember at the time going laughing and saying under, and, and we had a good time with it all. But we were actually considering eight wins as a reasonable, you know, like something to go over under on. And now we're like, like now I, if I was to ask you over under, I would ask you four. I would cut yeah. that number in half. And like, yeah. so, you know, and I think we're both kind of like, I don't know if we would even get to four, you know, so we can't take the over, we would probably take four in the under, but you know, I mean, it's just to see how far we've come in like one month, just with the tempered expectations that we have to have based on what we've seen so far, you know, we're not in a good spot.
0: No, the questions, the questions for the listener too was, um, can they beat the seven win mark, which would be the first time since on Oh nine, yeah, oh, yep. nine. Um, you said no. I said yes. The next question was, is this the year that they can finally beat Clemson? Um and the third question was, can they finally beat a ranked opponent, a top 25 ranked opponent? And I'm pretty sure I don't know if I said yes to the I think I might have, I think I might have said that they're gonna lose close to Clemson, but I did say that they would beat a ranked opponent. I said that they would go over eight wins. Or over seven wins, so they would get eight or more, and that they would beat a ranked opponent. And I was very like confident, dead fast confident in that. But like
1: I think I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I had the same confidence as you in in, in this team. But it's not, but I don't want that to go on record as I was predicting them to get three wins or four wins.
0: No, no, you weren't
1: at all. No, I was predicting them to do well. I just, you know, didn't think they were at the level of, you know, beating Clemson, right. beating a ranked opponent, and getting eight wins. I just didn't think they were quite there yet, you know.
0: And I, th- I think that's a fair assessment. And I think that that's, 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 you know, is valid. The reasons that you had given me at the time, I sat back and I'm like, I, I see that. I get that. I understand that. Um, But, yeah, no, it wasn't like you were like, no, this team's trash. They're th- three wins. You know, it was never like that. It was more so just like there's a lot of toss-up games in there they'll be very competitive they'll be and and i think one of the things you said which is like sad to kind of reminisce about is you said they would be fun to watch
1: eating that i mean i think they're fun to watch like you know again that's where like the fan comes out i think a little bit Mm -hmm. where it's like you know we can rip them all day long but am i gonna watch every minute of every single game yes yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna miss a minute. So, you know, and when I say miss a minute, like I'll watch it on replay, I'll do this, you know, I'll do like you know, shout out to ESPN who cut out all the commercials and just allowed me to rewatch that that last Virginia Tech game. I actually went to the uh, Wu Tang concert with Buster Rhymes and Nas, which was absolutely amazing, you know, time of my life. So shout out to ESPN for still allowing me to to watch the game and and uh you know watch it in a very efficient manner, no commercials. I was all about that. Um But yeah, that, you know, the fan, the fan isn't going to, you know, prevent me from watching the games and liking this team. And so, but they're just not likable in the sense where you're like, you know, rolling each team, you know, they're not the 16 and 0 Patriots fun to watch. You know, they're, they're different fun to watch because you're going to watch them next year and we're going to watch them the year after that. And it will be fun to reflect on the offensive line as time grows on to, you know, to to get bigger picture to your original question of what's next, like what does next year look like even with a one-year experience line, you know, now they're all, you know, two years, you know, going into their second year with each other, you know, obviously new quarterbacks going to have to come in. So that will be interesting, but, you know, to see what's next, I think, you know, Maine might even provide us the opportunity to see what's next, you know, hopefully in the second half, like you said, we're up big and we get an opportunity to see, you know some of those you know next year players that that aren't necessarily getting the chance this year because of the seniors that are ahead of them yeah sure
0: i think that um what i would what i would like to do eventually too um there's there's two things that i that i just kind of got ideas for which i want to do in the next in the next couple couple pods is i would like to kind of go back um, and talk about what what I deem as like the golden the golden age for BC football which would be you know really from like 2000 2000 to like 2009 would be like the end of it you know really like the apex was 2007 obviously but 2009 is kind of where where it ended but uh, that and then to really kind of take a look at you know the ramifications from this year that will bring us into next year and kind of talk, you know, kind of talk through that. I think that'll be really, you know, really beneficial and it'll almost be like therapeutic. Um, but suffice to say, we do have a game this week yep. against a big, big time, uh, Northeast foe, our, uh, Brother, brothers from Maine, <laughs> the Black Bears, <laughs> the Black Bears, uh, ho- hockey's friend. Um, so why don't why don't you kind of give us give us like a little little bit of the, like learn us learn us up on Maine a little bit.
1: All right, Maine, zero two coming into the matchup, much like BC. Um, let's start with a little offensive highlight here. Um. So far, Maine, you get them in the red zone. They've been in the red zone three times. They've scored touchdowns all three times. Um, so BC can't allow another turnover right immediately in the game, having them right in the red zone. You know, good chance they're going to score. At least they've been against their, you know, their their foes previous. Um they're also kind of, you know, not kind of. They're poor on third down. They only convert 23% of the time. So it's important for BC to really focus on the first two downs, much like what's been working against them on offense. Uh, forcing them into third downs, third and longs should prove beneficial for BC's defense. Um, Fifty-eight rushes on the year, sixty-six passes on the year, so they're a mixed attack when it comes to that. They don't rely on any one thing. Um, but a little bit later, we'll get into players to to look forward to or to or to watch. And two of the three players that I'm going to bring up are all, are all offensive players, so um, their offense is definitely um, uh, geared towards the passing attack when it comes to the two highlights that I have. Um, to move over to the other side of the ball defense. um, They're 50% third down um, on third and fourth down. So it's important that BC again, doesn't put themselves in those uh, third down situations um, because they haven't fared too well. They were two for 17, I believe two for 15 last week. And they really just can't get themselves in those situations again. Uh, They've allowed eight out of nine um, touchdowns in the red zone. So you get into their red zone, you're probably scoring too. So teams looking to be efficient in the red zone this week will be something to watch to see if that continues for both of them um they forced three fumbles on the year but uh hopefully this is a good chance for bc's running game to to come alive they've allowed 518 yards on the ground that's 229 yards a game so bc's needs to be able to run the ball uh this week if they're not able to run the ball against a team that's getting gouged like that um you know might as well just start getting really depressed um more so than you already are um (laughs) bc six and three all time against maine uh that's a little bit of a uh you know put an asterisk on that stat. maine hasn't beaten bc since 1915 um so it's really all bc as of late uh maine did limit colgate to 62 yards of passing but still lost so their pass defense was stingy um, and they need to, uh, you know, make sure that uh, or Phil needs to make sure that he can take advantage of that or not get beat by them in that situation. Um, but the, it does bring into question, will the main uh, will main be able to get to the quarterback? Because so far, they've had success at that six sacks on the year. Um, exactly what BC struggles at is defending uh, against the sack. So it'll be uh, interesting to look forward to see if BC can block what has been a decent um, defensive line for the main Black Bears so far this year. I can move forward into the players to watch too. Um, sorry for a little pause there. I was just scrolling down on my, uh, on my, uh, word document here. Um, pl-
0: okay, buddy, I was, I
1: was processing
0: that. That, that, that Was a juggernaut.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, I like to give you a little bit of stats, especially with a, an opponent that maybe we're not all so familiar with. I had to do my own research too. So, um, fair i was, you know, share the love, uh, player to watch for is their quarterback quarterback so far on the season uh, 101.6 QB rating um, Joe Fagano uh, he struggled in the blowout loss Uh, they got blown out week one just to give you a little trail to back it up a little bit they lost 41 nothing their first week to University of New Mexico absolutely annihilated and then lost week two to Colgate although they did have a good second half scoring 17 points I believe all in the fourth quarter actually Uh, so they did finish strong but still take a meal Um, but Borgano bounced back against Colgate. Uh, he had a tough week one against the university in New Mexico. He only threw for 96 yards a pick, but he bounced back week two, 246 yards a touchdown QB rating of 125.6. Um, doesn't really get much better than that when it comes to being a QB. So it'll be interesting to see how they choose to approach week three, where they struggled week one passing and then annihilated at week two. You know, what do they do week three? Um, top pass catcher on the team is Sean Bowman, number eight, a senior. He's actually a tight end. He's coming off a career high in yards, although his career high is 73, Um, not necessarily blowing the doors off of anyone with 73 yards, you know, considering Zay, I think got like 76 yards last week in a casual game with four catches, you know, but it it is what it is for the main black bears and and their top pass catcher, uh, you know, Shane Bowman. Um, Lastly, I'll lead it off. I'll I'll end it with rather um, Justin Sambu, number four, senior, Um, He's had a sack and a tackle for a loss in each game that he's played so far this year and is definitely their standout defensive player. And as we know, the saloon door that is the offensive line for Boston College uh, will definitely need to step up if they want to contain him and, you know, not let him repeat his success that he's had each week. Um, I'm not saying that he's averaged one sack a game. It's not like he got two and it's spread out. No, he's gotten a sack tackle for loss each game so he's just consistent uh when it comes to getting in the backfield and especially against our offensive line we're going to need to uh you know figure something out to stop him
0: yes we are we'll see if we have the answer stay 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 tuned and see if the boston college eagles can overcome the main the 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 umo black bears
1: yeah, I made it just sound like they have a, like a fighting chance Let, if you want we can go right into the what the over under and the spread is on this game because um, it, yeah. it's, got, it's kind of fun so. yeah uh, so I had to do some digging lots of Vegas uh, like doesn't want to put lines on this yet I noticed a lot of the sports books and it was just too early we're recording this on Wednesday the 14th um, and they just they just don't have lines out. but a couple of them do um, what I noticed was BC was favored by 32 and a half points which I just think is wild. Like, if you want to win some money, uh, go Maine Black Bears. And uh, I think, you know, I, I think BC wins, and I think they win handedly. But to say they win by 32 and a half points is a little wild. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just overestimating it. But, you know, so Maine got blown out 41 nothing, and they would have covered a 32-point spread in week one. Uh, but do you see that happening again, you know, against BC? Do you think they cover the 32 and a half? I'm, I'm going no, but they don't. I'm going to go. Yeah. You think they do? So I'm taking BC money line. I obviously think they're going to win the game. I just don't think they're going to blow doors 32 and a half. You know, maybe I'm, I'm wildly wrong. And I come in here and laugh at myself, but um, all hopefully, right. So we get. Hopefully, in your sake, you're wrong. Yeah. Hopefully I would love to be wrong. I've just, you know, I have a healthy skepticism when it comes to this game and it's interesting. Yeah. So the over under is 46 and a half. So they're, they're essentially saying that Maine won't will, will basically score a touchdown maybe if anything. I'll be optimum. I'll say, I'll say over. You're going over 46 and a half. Why not? I think over 46 and a half too, because I just, if I was to say under, and they actually were to get close to the 32 point spread, you have to think like what score would work for that. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Absolute. I mean, it's gotta be like the Colgate game last year. It's just a 55 nothing barn burner.
1: Yeah. It's going to have to be some sort of uh, absolutely annihilated. And they are you know, playing, you know, at home, it's a home game for BC, you know, after two tough losses, you hope the fan section is underneath the lights, just kind of giving the team, the the vibe that they need to kind of blow doors in a situation like that. So yeah, I'm taking the over too. I think points will be scored. I just, you know, I don't think that, uh, that, that BC will do entirely all the scoring. Do you know what I find to be like very odd is the fact that
0: it's a night game. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that.
1: The first game is at noon home and opener like, it's like you, your fcs opponent is um saturday night like no i wonder if it's like a scheduling or something else is going on something like that we just don't know about that
0: uh, but I, I just thought that was really odd like when i seen that i was like huh you know and then they, when they announced like oh we're we're playing main we're gonna play main under the lights it's like why <laughs> save the electricity
1: <laughs> yeah Save it, save it. Well, hopefully, you know, everyone can leave in the second half, and you know, yeah. know that they're going to win. Yeah.
0: And then um, I guess the the last point the last point on Maine want to give a, a big hearty healthy shout out Kobe White, uh, which I've I I don't know the whole story behind this, so he tore his ACL. Coming into 2020, missed the whole year, barely played last year. You know, it was kind of like he came, he entered the transfer transfer portal, came came back in 2020, tore his ACL was out. Then he played very sparingly last year. And then he transferred to JMU. He played in their spring game and he was there for like spring camp and then reports came out that he transferred to Maine so it was it's a really weird situation and he, he even look at it now he he has he has a catch for 2 yards so i think it's more so he just he's not the same player that he was um but the he was three last game yeah okay yeah he missed the, the game against Colgate with an injury so okay but the 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 thing that i like to point out is the 3 years that he was here and I'll I'll read it, I'll read it off to you real quick. Um 30 his freshman year he had 34 catches for 423. You know, then he had 33 for 526. And then 2019, he had 29 yards for 460 and five tutties. He was in for for an offense that was very ground and pound. So he, he all three of his main, you know, main years, uh no pun pun intended, (laughs) He was like the number one um, wide receiver was the A.J. Dillon years. So they were obviously like a poignant rushing attack. But he was far and away their best receiver. And I think my favorite my favorite memory of him. I was thinking about it earlier, like what like what are there any moments that kind of like stick out to me? And I have to say that probably the number one that stands out was his touchdown in the back of the end zone it was like a toe tap against Florida State when Jeff Smith when that Jeff Smith had like the end around and threw it to him in the red bandana game like that was really cool that was his freshman year that was a fun season period and I remember there was like a graphic on ESPN where it had AJ Dillon Anthony Brown and Kobe White and it showed that you know Anthony Brown was the the uh, leading passer for BC um, AJ Dillon was the leading rusher and Kobe white was the leading receiver and all three of them were freshmen and how bright the future looked for the, for the Eagles at the time. And obviously like it didn't, you know, necessarily like play out that way that that that's a whole nother conversation. But I think the thing that I, I, I really appreciate is like what he meant to the team while he was here He had over 1,400 yards uh, in his career here. He had 96 or 90, yeah, 90, 90, 97 catches here um, in his career at BC. So definitely a guy who coming back will be welcomed, um, you know, get a good reception. I hope that he plays. You know, I really hope that it's a situation where, you know he catches a 65-yard touchdown and <laughs> puts Maine on the board, and it's 55 to seven at this point. Um, we'll see, but you know that, that 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 seeing seeing him that he's on Maine now, it definitely I was definitely was definitely thrown off by it. But at the same time, it did I did kind of go down memory lane, and I was you know really fond memories of that kid. And he he was he was a baller, and he was a tough kid
1: yeah it's interesting the story that you were bringing up at the beginning about his transfer situation I tried to do some digging online and it's just like not out there yeah what kind of happened it's almost seems like he's like faded into the background yeah you know kind of just went to Maine and he's got like you said one catch for two yards and that didn't play the next week and what is he gonna you know I was hoping that he was gonna have two great weeks or two decent weeks you know at least perform you know three great years with BC, you know, how, how, how are you not performing on the main black bears? You know, that's kind of was my thought, but, you know, like you said, hope to see him out there week three in BC or at you know, BC's home game. So he'll, you know, the fans will, will hopefully recognize and be familiar. So, you know, give him some love. Yeah.
0: That'll, that that'll be a nice, nice little homecoming, nice little cap because, you know, AJ, the way AJ left, uh, you know, when he got drafted. So, he didn't, he didn't play in the bowl game, so there really wasn't the chance to really appreciate and, you know, not thank him, but, you know, really solidify that you know that this is, you know, his last game. And then, obviously, Anthony Brown transferred, and the way that it went down with Kobe, when he got hurt, missed the year, came back last year, was a shell of himself, unfortunately, and they'd already moved on. Zay, Zay Flowers was, was obviously the main... The main guy in town now um so for him to really kind of get like kind of be able to come back uh i think out of the three of them is, is 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 a really cool situation that i'm i'm definitely looking um forward i don't think it's going to play out that crazy i think it'll be more of like a personal thing but you know i think it's satisfying nonetheless
1: yeah you never know maybe there's a nice little camera glimpse of them you know you know BC and, and kind of like, uh, you know, embracing Kobe now that he's back at, at, you know, at home, uh, that'd be nice to see for sure.
0: Sure. And so I get from here. Um, should we, should we pick our, should we do our, uh, or announce our, our Tuesday giveaway winner?
1: Absolutely. Uh, for lack of a better, um, you know, uh, sound effect, uh, I'll give you a little drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> So to just to give a little backstory,
0: um, we want we want we want to be able to not not reward reward listeners, but we definitely want to be able to give back. We do appreciate um, the love and the feedback and the listens and I guess just the overall just support that everyone has given us thus far. We, you know, we, we we really appreciate it. So. We, we, we want to be able to do like little things obviously this this week this this first initial giveaway you know was two tickets to the main game um let's call it what it is it's, it's it's not a great initial giveaway
1: <laughs>
0: but <laughs> at the time it seemed well um we will have we will have more stuff we'll kind of you, know, I, Check out, check out our, our Twitter and Instagram, our Twitter uh, at BC banter pod. And that's the same for, for Instagram. It's BC banter pod, all one word. Check us out every Tuesday. Uh, we'll throw something up. All you got to do on Twitter, just retweet it and follow us to enter. And then on Instagram, if you like, if you like the post and you follow us, that'll enter you as well. Check it out every week. We'll start throwing some new things up there every Tuesday. I promise they will get better.
1: But hey, I, I mean, scared. if the opponent was better, uh, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's so, by nature of the main, you know, what, what should, take a look earlier or later in the season. I should say, you know, with some better matchups, we'll, we'll probably have some tickets available for them. We have some memorabilia. Um, just being yeah. BC fans over the year, we've collected a mass amount of, uh, memorabilia and we're not afraid to support our fans with it, with a little yeah. bit way. Right.
0: I'm, I'm going to, and just, just so you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till, um, after I pick this and then, so, and kind of, uh, plug our email and kind of explain, explain another little section that we want to get into our winner for this week, uh, Ryan Vance, so Ryan, if you're listening, um hit us up, get in contact with us, get us your email that way we can get you the tickets buddy. Uh congratulations. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the feedback you've given us. Uh it's always nice when people, you know, either drop us comments, drop us DMs, let us know how we're doing, how we can make things better, what they want to hear, things of that nature. It's always it's always, you know, it's 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 very reassuring when people are able to openly share that with us. And, and it's, it's never harsh. We always, we always take it to want to get better and be able to provide, you know, a good, a good service for you guys. Our email, uh, bcbanterpod at gmail.com. What we want to do is we want to be able to have a segment where people are emailing in questions we can answer them talk about them we also want you to just straight up send in comments feedback at that that way we can learn from it that way we can grow from it and honestly like the funnier the feedback the funnier the comments we are going to throw it up we are going to blast ourselves um don't hold back we want to hear it we want to know Uh, bcbanterpod at gmail.com so we we really want to hear from you guys uh it would be awesome just to be able to kind of know where we're falling short what you guys think is great what you want to hear more of what you want to hear less of things of that nature so definitely uh hit us up hit us up there or or just hit us up uh old school style straight in the dms but yeah so I, I, I definitely want to challenge, challenge the listeners to send us in some questions so that we can kind of start getting that rolling. We can start having some segments where we're not only answering questions, but, you know, we can pose questions, give you our opinions and our take on them and kind of cultivate like a community of some thought provoking stuff. I think that would, that would be really cool. Um, Pete, anything, anything from you, final thoughts.
1: Um, You know, just to go off what you were just saying, I think um, it's important to recognize where we're at and where we're trying to go. Uh, We definitely, you know, recognize that we're new to the game and and new to the sphere of podcasting. So um, please, if there's any feedback feel free to to give it to us raw and give it to us straight um, we prefer it that way because we are trying to grow and I think we are both pretty humble uh, to feedback so uh, it's not like your feedback is going to fall on deaf ears it's definitely going to be incorporated and um, I think we both look forward to seeing where this can can go because uh, we're both pretty passionate about uh, making it a success so um, you know getting a getting a fan base that uh, actually um, you know feels the same way that we do that's passionate that wants to be critical that wants to cheer on their successes uh um, you know successes uh is is super important um so uh you know my with my final thoughts uh roll eagles (laughs) love it
0: uh yeah that i i i echo that sentiment that that's very very much how i feel too i love being able to do this it's 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 been, it's been really fun. Even just kind of prepping it, getting everything ready for, for this next episode, it's kind of like people, people were you know, uh, very supportive and very positive um, for the first episode. And it's kind of like, all right, let's turn around, let's do it again. And I think that that is kind of the momentum that we want uh, going week to week and just to be able to continue to build this, continue to be a resource uh, for you guys. Because at this point, it's a little therapeutic for us. It's therapeutic for you to 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 listen. Um, we want to we want to be all inclusive too. We want to be able to include people too. You know, we we, we, want, we want we want to build like a little community. We want people to come on. We want people to give us uh, questions that they have. We we just want to be very interactive with all this. Um, so yeah, that's my final thought. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to the game this weekend getting up to the heights being able to see everybody um if you do see us uh, please don't hesitate to come say what's up um let us know what you think in person uh just don't spit on us that's all I have <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, preferably not
0: yeah yeah I mean if hey if you feel like it then then, then do it like we said like no no feedback's off of it. <laughs> so, um but yeah, um, this podcast went a lot longer too, but uh, with that, uh, I'm gonna end it. So let's see. We got Maine this weekend, then we'll be back for Florida State week. So thank you guys all, and go Eagles! go Eagles! <laughs>
1: Tell him that his lonesome nights are over, Sandman. Mm-hmm. I'm so alone, mm-hmm. don't have nobody to call my own. Mm-hmm. Please turn on your magic beam, oh. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. bum, 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 bum.